December 4th Suffocation up a chimney Ms Lily Gold, a private landlady with an antagonistic attitude to her tenants matched in viciousness only by the violence of the carpets with which her properties were outfitted, found stuffed up a chimney in one of her houses, asphyxiated to death. It is important to remember at this time of year that one's ability to fit up chimneys is directly proportional to the number of mince pies you have consumed. Dead Vent Calendar, a merry murder mystery in 24 crimes, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington. My friend Shiloh has a long established habit of endless aimless walks all over the city but I'm afraid that I'm one of those North Londoners who only ever crosses a bridge to look back at the left bank from the other side of the river and who is very much convinced that London stops at the cut and beyond that are the misty reaches of a sort of fairyland where people go to have babies, local pubs and affordable lives. I had not therefore been to Brixton in several years and was surprised to discover that someone had apparently stolen it and put in its place a small market town from Gloucestershire. Shiloh had, through his mother, managed to get an address for the woman she had mentioned, Penny, the one whose Christmas was now irretrievably ruined by the awful, not-at-all-lamented Mr. Ramage. This also meant that he was now referring to his mother as one of his Baker Street irregulars, which is very infuriating. Anyway, so it was, the next day we found ourselves in one of those long, curving roads of identical Victorian terraced houses, so very different from my own North London long curving roads of identical but slightly taller Victorian terraced houses. Auspicious, said Shiloh, rubbing his hands together. What is? I asked, dreading the answer. Just a few streets that way is where they discover the body of Enoch Dribber, where Holmes first picks up one end of that scarlet thread of murder that unravels into the greatest detective career of all literature, of all time. I think, perhaps, I said, I should do the talking today. What are you talking about? You are not Sherlock Holmes, I said, and this woman is not your mother. You cannot just barge into people's houses and start questioning them. You are not a detective and you are not a policeman. What you are is a massive weirdo. You are going to freak out the straits. You, on the other hand, said Shiloh, are a killjoy. Here we are. And he turned up the path to a blue front door. The woman who answered it was wearing a 60s mini-dress that the day before would have injured me deeply. It was a bright orange that matched her hair, apart from the pink flowers on it that vibrated against the background. She was wearing earrings that were two plastic strawberries full of some glittery liquid that sloshed about as she moved her head. She was barefoot. Her toenails matched the dress that matched her hair. Penny? I ventured. She's in the kitchen, said the woman cheerfully. You'll have to take us as your finders. We're only just getting up. Awful, isn't it? My fault. We got accidentally drunk last night, and so it's a sickie today. But I say we deserve it, don't you, Penny? Wednesdays are so tedious. Worst of the days. I don't know why people complain about Mondays. 
although I'm usually only seeing them through a hangover, so perhaps I missed some sort of details. These chaps are here to see you, Penny. Penny was sitting at the kitchen table, nursing a mug of coffee. She looked like the empty room had been hard enough work already, and having two new people in it was going too far. I'm afraid, I said, that this is deeply weird and unnecessary. Oh, good, said the woman with the orange hair. As long as it isn't normal, I like the weird and the unnecessary. She waved a hand at a shelf of knick-knacks above the kitchen table, and the garish plastic bangles on her wrist clanked against each other. We were down in Sussex seeing Shiloh's mother yesterday, I said. I'm Al, by the way, and it turned out that she knows your mother, Penny, and she, your mother, I mean, heard we were going to be in Brixton and asked that we looked in. I mean, that's just a thing you say, isn't it? But then we found ourselves on the street, you know, and uh, I don't know, you feel, after you've said you'll do a thing, as I say, it feels like an utterly weird thing to do and also not necessary. Sorry. Yes, managed Penny. That, that is a weird thing to do. Well, I think it's a nice and polite, weird and unnecessary thing, said the other woman. I'm Siobhan. To be honest, I said, I think she was checking up. Shiloh's mother said someone had thought they'd seen you in the village on Sunday, and so his mother thought your mother thought you were avoiding her. Or something. <laughs> Families. Villagers, said Siobhan. They're all so weird and obsessed with themselves. That's why I love London, don't you? You can be who you like, go where you like, do what you like, and no one cares. Alone in a crowd, don't you think? I think you'd have to be mad to live in a little village like that. Penny glared at her friend, who seemed to have entirely forgotten that Penny lived in a village like that. In that actual village, in fact. Anyway, why would Penny want to go there? said Siobhan. I mean, Sunday, we went to Borough Market, and then up to Camden, and then we did Oxford Street, because why not? I mean, hell, isn't it? But I rather like watching the tourists. And a quick little drink, and then we went to this utterly bizarre improvisatory theatre thing in the pub down the road, which was actually quite brilliant, wasn't it, Penny? If you like that sort of thing, said Penny, in a tone of voice that suggested she very much didn't. There was one bit where this guy was being a tractor. I thought I'd wet myself, said Siobhan. You don't get that in a village, do you? I think they're busier with actual tractors, I said. I think she was worried, said Charlotte. After the dreadful business on Monday. What dreadful business? Said Penny, suddenly noticing Shiloh. A man was killed, I said. Awful business. We were there, weren't we? A Mr. Ramage, said Shiloh, watching Penny. I think you knew him. Ramage, said Penny. So soon. Ramage, said Siobhan, almost simultaneously. Isn't that the builder you were complaining about, Penny? The man doing your kitchen... He sounded just awful. That's why Penny's here, you know. She needed somewhere to stay while the work was being done, and I have a spare room after all. How did he die? Electrocuted, said Charlotte, by Christmas lights. Penny was staring at him. She was quite grey in the face, but that could have been the hangover. Serves him right, said Siobhan. Poetic justice, that is. What with you being booted out of your house? At... Oh, but if he's dead, who's going to finish the kitchen? You won't get back in before Christmas now, will you? You'll have to stay here. Penny turned to stare at Siobhan and was now fully white. A girl's Christmas, crowed Siobhan. Let's take the whole month as a holiday. It'll just be like old times, like when we first moved to London. Christmas parties, proper shopping, night clubbing. We'll do the whole thing. Don't you worry, Pen. I'll look after you. You can stay as long as you like. Penny turned mute, wounded eyes on me like a plea. What she would like, evidently, would be to go home 
and have a long lie down. I sympathised. I'm sorry we barged in like this, I said. We'll get out of your way. And we escaped before Siobhan could write us into her day's plans. Did you see her face? Shiloh grabbed my elbow as we reached the pavement. She was quite ashen. She just heard that she's going to be spending all of December with a hangover, I said. I don't blame her. And did you not hear her alibi? Freddy said the electrics were delivered on the Sunday, while they were doing overpriced markets and improvisational theatre. Perhaps she's in on it, said Shiloh. Siobhan, I said. If you were going to pick an accomplice in a stealthy and secretive plan, would you pick Siobhan? Anyway, Siobhan hit the nail on the head. If she wanted revenge on Ramage, why do it in a way that just made it worse? Now she's stuck in Brixton all Christmas. So you're saying no motive as well as no opportunity, said Shiloh, crestfallen. There was one thing, I said. When you mentioned Ramage's death, she said something. It sounded like, so soon. So soon, said Shiloh. Ah, curiouser, don't say it, I said. And curiouser, he finished with a ghastly little smile. You have been listening to Deadvent Calendar, written by Tobias Sturt from an original idea by Tobias Sturt and Rowan Davis. The story is read by John Millington, and I read the murders. The music is The Slay by The Sportsman and by Mitch Miller and his orchestra and chorus, both from the Internet Archive. If you enjoyed this podcast, please spread the word, and even rate and review it if you can. You can find more on SoundCloud, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher, and on our website at ruritania.co.uk slash stories. And tune in next episode to open another fatal window in our dead vent calendar. All the world is blank and white, of snow so cold and crisp and light, with sharp and blowing, we are going onward through the night.